Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to John chapter 21. As we inch ever so closer to concluding our series through John. I'm kind of sad we're getting to the end, but John chapter 21 this morning. Before I read the text, I just want to remind you where we're at in this chapter. The disciples, or at least seven of the disciples that are listed in verse 2, they're in Galilee, they're on the Sea of Tiberias, which is also the Sea of Galilee. And you would notice there in verse 2 that there are two disciples that are not mentioned by name. Now, I bypassed this application before, but let me just quickly hit this as we are getting towards the end, that even though these two go unnamed, they do not go unnoticed. Amen. And when we're serving the Lord, it's not about whether or not everybody knows our name. God knows our name. And He's keeping better records than anybody else on this earth can. He's going to sort it all out. And so, look, you may not be known, but you're known by God. And so keep that in mind as you serve the Lord. He lived and died for us. The least we can do is live and die for Him. And so, anyway, Peter, he decides to go fishing. The others followed Peter. They labored all night, but despite all of their experience, they caught nothing. And come morning, Jesus has showed up on the shore And he asked them if they had any meat, and they have to answer him, no. They confessed their need. Jesus told them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you will find. And so they cast their net, and in their obedience, they brought in an abundance. It was at that point that John realized that this man standing on the shore was the resurrected Lord. And John told Peter, it's the Lord. Well, Peter Upon hearing this, the Lord, he grabs his fisher's coat and he jumps into the sea. Very possibly he was making his way to the Lord. He wanted to be the first one there. We don't know for sure. And I haven't mentioned this yet either, but just a quick application here. We find in this account and really throughout the Gospels, the kind of partnerships that God puts together in the ministry. The different personalities that we find that our Lord brings together for the purpose of reaching others for Christ, serving together, helping one another as we go along in this walk with the Lord. And it's always interesting to watch how the Lord forms a church body, isn't it? It's very interesting to me. We're located by a base, and so what we find is we have a lot of people that are transplants. How many of you are veterans not from South Dakota, but you're here? Look at that. That's amazing. How many of you are South Dakotans? Praise God. We're getting there. Amen. Um, Wanting to reach more South Dakotans. Amen. And so, uh, but isn't it interesting how God put it all together? It's very interesting. Come on, don't act like it's not interesting. How can a man who was, how can a man who was born in Japan, lived in, I think, North Carolina, New Mexico, Florida, Korea, uh, Mississippi, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, moved all over and become the pastor here? How is it that some of us can be born in the south, born in the north, born in the east, born in the east, but here we are. It's interesting how God puts the body together, and what we find in that is there's all these different personalities that God's bringing together. And what we see in our text here is we have Peter and John, two very distinct personalities. Very different, but they both are complementing each other very well. You see, there's the boldness and the activity of Peter, right? 
bold as can be, always on the move. And then there's the introspective contemplation of John. Without personalities like John, those like Peter would burn out in activity. And without personalities like Peter, those like John would just kind of fade off into the background. God places different personalities together to complement one another. If we all had the same personalities, we would implode. I'll let you figure out why. And this is why there's so much diversity in the church body. We don't need clones of one another. That's the temptation of a lot of young Christians. I want to be like this person. No, you really don't. You want to be who God's made you. I remember when I first started preaching, man, I wanted to be like this guy. He would always get up real quiet. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? First time I heard him preach. Take your Bibles. I'm thinking, good night. Not another boring preacher. About six minutes in. Where did that come from? I said, that's who I want to be like. I want people to go, man, this is going to be boring. Everybody go nuts. But I learned, I, yeah. I got to be who God's called me to be. Amen. Um, and so we don't need clones. And if God wanted you to be like someone else, he would have made you that way. Boy, there's a group of people that need to get a hold of that thought. Besides, listen, we can't all be doing the same thing anyway. And our personalities, God fits us for those things. If all of the disciples in our text were doing like Peter, they never would have got the fish to the shore. They all would have jumped overboard. And so we find this, God knows what he's doing. I might say more on this whole thing next week, but by the time they get to shore, they all realize that the man on the shore is Jesus. They find that there's a fire of coals, there's fish laid thereon and bread, and Jesus says, come and dine. And he fed his disciples of the bread and fish that he had prepared for them. So with that scene in mind of them eating breakfast together, let's pick this account up in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And we'll stop there. I was going to read the rest, but that's as far as we'll get. Remember that before Jesus was betrayed, he told his disciples, All ye shall be offended of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But Peter answered Jesus, Though all men be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. 
Jesus then says to Peter, Verily I say unto thee this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter still didn't believe Jesus. And Peter spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. That night, Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And as they led Jesus away, Peter followed afar off to watch the events of that night unfold. In Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72, it says, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Here in chapter 21, in verses 15 through 17, we have the account of Jesus asking Peter three times if he loved him. And surely it cannot be coincidental that it takes place three times after Peter denied our Lord three times. He denied three times. Jesus asked three times, do you love me? Let me go ahead and get this out of the way. If you've heard messages on this text before, then you have likely heard some preachers wax eloquently about how there are two different Greek words used for love in this exchange between Jesus and Peter. Sometimes I think it's about as useful as trying to dissect the reason why he says, feed my lambs in verse 15 and then feed my sheep in verses 16 and 17. I'm not convinced of how helpful this whole thing is. But for those who are into such things, let me give you my two cents. Amen. So for those unfamiliar, in verses 15 and 16, Jesus asked Peter if he agape loved him. Now we're told that that's the highest expression of love, that it's unconditional. But Peter doesn't reply back, I agape love thee, but he says, I phileo love thee, which is a friendship love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, before I go further, the, the reason I believe too much is made of this observation is because of how these two words are used throughout the gospel accounts. Remember how John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved? Well, he uses both agape and phileo to describe himself uh, in that regard. So it's used interchangeably in some places in the Bible. And not to mention, if agape love is supposed to be the highest form of love, then why does Jesus say in John 5.20 that the father phileo loves the son? Just something to think about, amen? Um, all right, we're doing good so far, praise God. Um, I, maybe I just wrecked your entire doctrine, I don't know. But let's get back here to our text. Let's suppose there is something significant to all of this. If agape is higher than phileo, then I would think, since Peter's recent boastings, how they were shattered when he denied the Lord, he can't just bring himself to say, Yea, Lord, I agape love you. 
And I think we can relate to this if there's merit to this point. I think we can understand how after we have failed and disappointed our Lord, it's hard for us sometimes to understand how can I love God and still do this? Have you been there? If I truly love the Lord, would I have really have failed God this way? You see, Peter can no longer boast that he would never forsake the Lord. That's out the window. And I think God has a way of breaking us down. And Peter can no longer say, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll never forsake you. He can't say, I'm willing to go to prison and to death for you. Those things are gone. That testimony is gone. How can he sit here and tell the Lord, Yea, Lord, you know I love you as high as I can love you. And so the thought is, in light of Peter's earlier denials, he can only bring himself to say, Lord, I phileo love you. But I would say this to that point. The truth is, his past actions also put his friendship with the Lord into question as well. Right? I mean, if he friendship loved the guy, he would have been there as well. So I think the whole thing brings into question. But just a side note here, when, when Jesus asked Peter this question in verse 17, they both used the term phileo. So if there's as much to this as some suggest, then I'm not sure why Jesus would all of a sudden now relent in agape love in favor of phileo love. One of the other reasons I wonder if it's as big a deal as people make is uh, Matthew Henry's observation. Listen to what he writes. In the first two inquiries, the original word is agape. Dost thou retain a kindness for me? An answer to which Peter uses another word more emphatic. Phileo. I love thee dearly. In putting the question the last time, Christ uses that word, and dost thou indeed love me dearly? And so there are some that are of the opinion that one is actually higher than the other the other way around. So take that for what it's worth, amen? You say, well, what about lambs and sheep? Well, let's talk about that real quick. Since I know some of you are dying to go there, lambs are young, sheep are grown. So there's different ways to care for each. And if I wanted to break this down and try to impress you with my limited knowledge of shepherding, we could go into how you have to care for each one differently. But since Jesus only says to feed them both, let's not make more of this than we need to. Hey, man. Now, here's the deal. Listen, I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't care to be. So the content I just gave you is up to you and what you want to do with it. Here's the bottom line. Can we all agree on this? Jesus wants to know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Can we all agree on that? That's where we're at. All right. So all of that was for all you people that care. Now let's get into some preaching. Now the third time Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, we see Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? Peter now is beginning to sorrow as the Lord is asking this the third time. And I would imagine that Peter is putting all this together, wouldn't you? Just as when he denied the Lord the third time and he heard the cock crow, he remembered Jesus' words, the Bible says, and he went out and wept. And I believe here, now that we're getting to this third time, Peter's like, okay, the Lord's up to something. He's obviously digging into this for a reason. And I believe he's putting it together. I denied him three times. The Lord is asking me three times if I love him. Lord, why do you keep asking me this? Is there something else? Is there, is there something else in my life that I can't see? Am I going to have another hour of temptation where 
I'll deny you again. Lord, I know you have every right to question my love for you after what I did. But thou knowest all things and you know that I love thee. I believe this. I believe Jesus is after all of Peter. All of who he is. He wants his heart. Before Jesus can go on to use Peter greatly, which he's going to do. Before that can happen, Jesus needs Peter to know. Peter, you're not who you thought you were, are you? You're not who you thought you were. You might have thought you were this big, bad Christian. You're not. And listen, that's a hard process sometimes to go through. I've given my testimony several times. When I was in North Dakota, that's what God did to me. God broke me down. And I came face to face with who I am. And you know who I am? I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And in my flesh there dwells no good thing. you got to come to that point. Why do you have to come to that point? Because God wants you to learn that He's all you need. I think I have that in my notes. Let me just get back here. Peter had boasted before he denied Christ, but Jesus wanted Peter to know the Lord needed all of him. Right? And that Peter needed all of the Lord. That's what I was trying to say. The Lord needed all of Peter, and Peter needed all of the Lord. He denied our Lord around the fire, and here He is now beside another fire on the seashore. And you can bet these two images are coming together in His mind. As Jesus keeps pressing the question, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And it grieved him, and I would say rightfully so. Jesus is restoring Peter back into a right relationship with him. And that process can be painful. And it can be filled with sorrow. But it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7.11, the Apostle Paul had wrote to the Corinthians. He really upbraided them. He's writing again, he says, uh, about some things that he had written. For behold, this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Listen, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourself to be clear in this matter. There's something to be said for godly sorrow. Listen, if sin doesn't break your heart, where's your heart? I want you to notice here, Jesus doesn't pose this question to Peter. Peter, have you wept enough? Peter, have you fasted enough? Have you been in agony enough? Have you afflicted yourself enough yet? But the question is, lovest thou me? Without a true love for our Lord, any other expressions that you may have or feel, they're worthless. They're pointless. Only genuine love gets the master's attention. Because here's what people want to say. If, if I, if, well, I tell you what, if I read my Bible through this year, God's going to be impressed with me. 
If I'm faithful to every service, I know the Lord's going to smile upon me and He's going to bless. Boy, if I tithe. Mm. <laughs> Boy, we all know the Lord's going to open the windows of heaven. But what if you don't have love? What if you don't have love? Listen to this, Breck. In Luke 7, 47, Jesus is getting His, his feet washed by the, in, in white by the hairs of the woman listed there in Luke 7. You know the account I'm talking about? And people are like, man, if Jesus only knew who was touching them. Listen to what Jesus said. Wherefore I say unto her, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Listen to what Jesus said. For she loved much. Isn't that interesting? You know why her sins are forgiven? It just so happens that it was another guy who was named Simon. Simon, you know why her sins are forgiven? Because she wept much. You know why her sins are given? Because she anointed me and she's wiping her, her, my feet with her tears and her hair. Jesus said, no. Her sins are forgiven her because she loves me. Amen. Now in verse 15, Jesus asked, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And since we mentioned preacher Williams once this morning, let's do so again. I'll give you a $100 bill if you can show me what more than these is. He used to always say $100. I don't know what it was about, a $100 bill. Amen. I think it's because he grew up a long time ago. Amen, Brother Lund? And $100 used to be a lot of money. We filled up the other day $80. And we wasn't even on the little ding-ding thing that says, hey, it's time to fill up. $80. I would, say, I would ask if anybody misses. Anyway. <clears throat> now... We better be careful there. The question has been pondered by every generation. What did Jesus mean when he said more than these? What are these? In context, there are three things that this could be. Do you love me, Peter, more than these things? More than these fish? This fishing boat, these nets, this career? Or two, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Three, do you love me more than you love these disciples? Well, we cannot know for sure, so I'm just going to give you my opinion, which means you're free to disagree with me without us becoming bitter enemies. Amen. Just because we're independent Baptists doesn't mean we have to be at each other's throat. Amen, Ken? And so, listen, we don't have to break fellowship over this. Many men, much smarter than me, have a different opinion. So just take these uh, options here that I gave you in order. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, more than these fish, more than this career. This is a very popular opinion in our day because many preach that when Peter went fishing, he was going back to his old way of life. I've already preached that. I don't believe that was the case. I believe they needed to get some money together um, and they needed some sustenance. Fishing is what they knew how to do. And before somebody knocks that, I'll remind you the Apostle Paul would make tents along the way. Because sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And, and so I don't think that's necessarily the case. I'm not against this opinion. I, don't, I think it has merit. I don't think it should be discarded. But it's interesting that when Peter replies back to Jesus, Peter doesn't say more than these. Simon, do you love me more than these? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. I don't know why he didn't add the more than these. It could be an indication that Jesus wasn't referring to the fish or the business at all. Just my opinion, I think Peter already demonstrated he loved Jesus more than fish. Three and a half years earlier, he forsook all and he followed the Lord. Still, it's a very valid opinion and one I don't think we should get rid of. The second opinion 
as if Jesus was asking Peter if he loved him more than the other disciples loved Jesus. As I was going through some commentaries, I found this was the most popular opinion by the commentators that I have access to. The thought here is that since Peter thought himself better than the other disciples before he had denied Jesus, that Jesus is now asking Peter if he still thought he loved Jesus more than they did. And there's two ways to look at this. Is Jesus just asking for a general response, or is Jesus asking this question to rebuke Peter? In other words, Peter, do you really think you love me more than these after you denied me three times? Either way, I'm not sure why Jesus would ask Peter to judge whether he loved more than others loved. I think that's dangerous. I frankly think that goes against Scripture. One way it does is it's a source of pride. Peter already had an issue with pride. The last thing he needed was the Lord to say, do you love me more than everybody else loves me? I sure do, Lord. And so it's a prideful thing to have to do. Why open up that way of thinking again into Peter's mind? Uh, Plus, it goes against 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So I don't think Jesus here is saying, Peter, I want you to compare among the other disciples whether or not you love me more than they love me. Therefore, I think we can kick that one to the side. So what about the third option? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than you love these other disciples? Now, in my humble opinion, I believe this fits the context best. After every time the Lord asked Peter if he loved him, he told Peter to feed his sheep. He says, once feed my lambs, twice feed my sheep. Jesus, understand, he was calling Peter to be a shepherd. And if one is going to serve the Lord in that capacity, If you're going to feed people the Word of God, you're going to have to love the Lord more than the people you're feeding. Lovest thou me more than these? Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So I personally believe the emphasis in our text is this. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than anybody else in your life? Do you love me more than all others? Now, I have no problem with throwing the possessions in there as well, going back to option one. Simon, do you love me more than you love fishing? This business, this career path? Simon, do you love me more than you love these disciples? I see no problem putting that all together. And I believe this is based upon the statement, my opinion here, of Jesus saying, feed my sheep. Here's the deal. If one is going to minister to people in this kind of capacity of feeding others, I don't care what ages, okay? If, if you're going to be feeding other people the Word of God, then if you love them more than you love the Lord, you're going to be tempted to water down the Word of God. Isn't that right? Because as you get to know people... You, you start learning their, their skeletons, if you will. And you're going to come to a passage and you're going to know it's going to rub somebody the wrong way. 
And if you love them more than you love the Lord, when you come to that passage, you're going to be tempted to just water that down a touch because we don't want to hurt feelings. Listen, I, I never want to be purposefully abrasive. Okay, I don't want to be the sandpaper pastor. That's not my intent. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be crude. But we have to preach the Word of God. And when we love others more than we love the Lord, it's going to be difficult when we get to a passage where we realize Sister Adrian over here struggles with it, which is most everything. And if I preach that, I know it's going to rub her the wrong way. Then I have to live with that because we're married. Do I love the Lord more than I love her? I'm just trying to lighten it up. Y'all are pretty tense today. Not only that, you'll be tempted not to teach the whole counsel of God and just avoid it altogether. Yeah. You know what? If I bring up this issue, I know. I know it's going to cause problems. So I think you understand what I'm saying there. You must love the Lord above all others because if you are feeding sheep, when you place people first, listen, you're going to drop out. You know why? Because people are going to get mad at you. They're going to get ugly. They're going to get downright nasty. And they're going to desert you. That's the truth. That's just the reality of it. And you pour yourself into others just to have them spew back at you one day. Now, I will tell you this. For those that are serving in this capacity, I realize now i got to hurry. Not really. I just say that so you all feel better. <laughs> Thankfully, there are far more good people than there are the bad ones. It's kind of like... Kind of like the media only focuses on the knuckleheads when there's really a lot more good, right? That's how the ministry is. And if you're not careful, you'll focus on the knuckleheads to the point where you get so mad you leave. Um, most, of us as, most of us who said I do said something to this effect in our marriage vows. Will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto her so long as you both shall live. Likewise, when we come to Christ, that's how we come to Christ. We come to Christ because we love Him, forsaking all others. Forsaking all others. And I can remember how God used this passage in my life when He called me to pastor this flock. I doubt you will remember, and that's not a slam, but before I was pastor, Preacher Williams called me up one night without notice to preach. And I preached this text. Because God was dealing with me about how much did I love Him? Did I love God more than I love all of you? I could hear God asking, Lovest thou me more than these other disciples? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my lambs. And sadly, I've lost some of my closest friends since I've become pastor. Because of becoming pastor. Do you love me more than you love other people? Other people are going to leave you. Before God led me here, I was going to live in the beautiful northeast Tennessee hills along the Clinch River. It's where my parents currently live. If I were a billionaire, that would be my property. It was my dream property. It is my dream property. In my flesh, I still want to be there. But God asked me, lovest thou me more than you love this property? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my sheep. And I had to sign away my rights to that property to be right with God. 
But God wasn't done yet. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because God knows exactly what He needs to put His finger on in your life. The first two may be difficult, but by the third time, it might grieve you. And I remember the Lord, He wasn't done yet, Brother Long, and He said, Do you love me more than you love your parents? And I wept. Lord, would you ask so much? Don't make me make that choice. Do you love me? So you got to understand, I was going to retire on that property with my parents. I wanted to take care of them as they grew old. We have a great relationship together. Listen, I even tried to justify by telling the Lord, you know they need a church in Taswell. Taswell for all you Yankees. You know they need a church in Taswell. They didn't ask you that. Do you love me more than you love your parents? Yes, Lord. You know I do. You know everything, and you know I love you more than anything else. The Lord said, then feed my sheep. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, it's going to cost you sometimes. It's going to cost you sometimes. And understand, I can tell you, there's nothing better than being in the will of God. But God is going to come along and He's going to say, do you love me more than this? Do you? And just as God restored Peter, placing him into the ministry to feed his sheep, God said, now that I have all of you, now that I have all of you, now that all that is precious to you is gone, feed my sheep. We may look at someone like Peter and we may think, What a stupid choice. Why would God choose a man who denied him three times to preach on the day of Pentecost where the Spirit of God came down and 3,000 were saved? God, what are you thinking using Peter? He denied you three times. Why wouldn't God use someone like John who at least came back to the cross? And some would look at me and say, what a dumb choice. I mean, Pastor Williams had 20 years of experience when he got here as a pastor. He earned his doctorate degree. I had exactly zero years of experience as a pastor and exactly zero years of seminary experience. And I understand Peter being unlikely because I understand that I'm unlikely and you should feel the same way in some capacity. But I want you to notice, get this now, Jesus' qualification wasn't, Peter, have you gone through enough seminary? Peter, have you had enough experience? Peter, do you have a spotless record? But when Jesus came to see if Peter was ready, he said, Peter, do you love me? You see, we look at all the external things. and We want to know, do they have enough uh, seminary? Who cares? I like what A.W. Tozer said, all you learned in seminary was one fallen head teaching another fallen head. Well, do you have your doctorate degree like my favorite preacher? I don't give a rip. All right, I'm going to get in the flesh real quick. Listen, that's not what Jesus is looking for. I'm not against them. Those are all good things. In fact, I tell every young man, God's calling you, go. Go to the seminary. That's fine. Just God didn't do that in my life. God allowed me to sit out there in the congregation for 20, 30 years. 
So listen, Jesus is looking for those who love Him. This is what I'm trying to tell you. This is why we have less than perfect people here that are feeding the flock. This is why we have people that used to have a problem with the bottle. Alcohol bottle. This is why we have people that have a prison record. Listen, we got people who are less than perfect feeding other people. You say, why? Because there came a point in their life where they started to love Jesus more than those things. And Jesus said, do you love me? And they said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting you have to make a royal mess of your life before the Lord's going to use you. Please don't. God uses all people, but I'm saying this, that God will only use broken people. People who will confess that they really can't bring anything to the table except this, Lord, I love you. Maybe someone this morning is in need of this conversation that the Lord had with Peter. Maybe like Peter, you've done something in in your past that you're ashamed of. And you're wondering now, will the Lord ever use my life again? I want you to know that the Lord isn't done with you. He wants to use your life. But some stay so focused on what they did in the past that they worry so much about the future that they never enjoy the present. Well, you don't know what I used to be. No, I don't, but God does. And His blood cleanses every sin. You don't have to stay the way you are. Let the Lord deal with you. Let Him ask you the tough questions until it grieves you. And once God has all of you, then get up and get to work and serve Him and love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Will you pray with me, please?